All right, welcome everybody. Big shout out to uh, our Central family. We want to always welcome our Central Summerlin family. Grateful to have you guys with us. Central Southern Highlands, Central Sunrise Mountain, Central Kingman. Grateful you guys are with us. We want to welcome you if you're joining us online. And uh, as always, a big shout out to those who are joining us in our partnership in different prison facilities with God Behind Bars. Thank you for being with us today. We are talking about house rules, and we've had a lot of fun over the last uh, several weeks. The first house rule that we looked at was simply putting God first, and we talked about some really practical ways, at least I shared in my life as I look back over the, uh, the years of following Jesus, how you know, we did that in our family. Uh, then Pastor David Hughes talked to us about faith, hope, and love and the power of that in a family context. And then my wife, Lori, amazing job on Mother's Day. Uh, just talked about, look, getting your heart right. Like one of the most important things that you can do in your home is just to bring the right heart because if you get your heart right, you get your home right. And so that was uh, powerful. And today I want to talk to you about another rule, uh, if you will, a house rule, and that is to make forgiveness mandatory. To make forgiveness mandatory. And it's important because we all need forgiveness for different things. We have all kinds of issues. I mean, it, we're moving close to summer. How many of you ready for a little summer break? Huh? Is anybody ready for maybe a summer trip, summer vacation, something? I saw this Jimmy Fallon did this thing. He asked people to tweet in their summer vacation fails. And uh, we're going to bring up on the screen some of these that uh, people tweeted in. First one was, one summer my family went to Disney World and my parents thought they lost my sister in a crowd. They started freaking out and calling her name only to realize she was sitting on dad's shoulders. <laughs> summer vacation fail, right? All right, let's go to the next one. My dad had to come a day late to our vacation, so we gave him the wrong number, uh, wrong room number as a joke. He showed up to the other room, went in, ate some food, and fell asleep. They called the cops on him. <laughs> Summer vacation fail. That's awesome. All right, one more. On vacation in Hawaii with my family, my boyfriend tried to fit in with the Hawaiians, so he kept thanking everyone by saying Honolulu. <laughs> and what he meant to say was mahalo. If you've been around Central, you know the Wilhite family knows all about Mahalo, what that's all about. Reality is, look, in families, people are going to get their feelings hurt. In families, people are going to make mistakes. In families, uh, people are going to be damaged by different things that happen, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally. And sometimes, if we're honest, the people that we love the most are the people that take kind of the full brunt of our anger, our brokenness, and our own pain, you know, in our lives. And so we all have lots of opportunities to hurt one another in a family. But we also have opportunities to forgive one another. And that's where I think forgiveness is such an important principle in the experience of family, whether you're uh, you know, with siblings or uh, uh, people that aren't necessarily blood relatives, but you live with, room with, consider family, whether you're married, you have kids, whatever. Family is huge. It's very important. And forgiveness is a key, key part of that. And so, um, you know, in your life, when you think about forgiveness, uh, I don't know how you view forgiveness. A lot of people think, well, yeah, forgiveness is just something you should do. But I believe that forgiveness is actually the key that in many ways unlocks so many of God's blessings in your life and in your family. 
And what I know from talking with many of you, many people in our church community over the last 16 years, is that this is probably the single greatest felt need in most people's lives right now. There's somebody in your life that you need to forgive. There's something that you need to let go of. You say, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can forgive my mom. I don't know if I can forgive my dad. I don't know if I can forgive my brother or my, my relative. I don't know if I can forgive my sister. Like, like the things they did to me or the things that the betrayal that I experienced or the abandonment that I went through was at a whole other level. But here's what I wanna suggest to you about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't fix the past. It frees your future. The past is the past. You know, what can, all you can do is figure out how to move forward into the future. And forgiveness isn't about your family member deserving your forgiveness. Forgiveness is about you remembering God's forgiveness in your life. And then because of that, extending forgiveness in spite of them sometimes, <laughs> right? In spite of them, because you know that's your path to freedom. Forgiveness is powerful. So I wanna to talk to you about how we can experience forgiveness and how we can offer forgiveness. And one of the greatest pictures for the forgiveness we've experienced that we can have in our lives uh, is, is baptism. When you study the Bible, you see again and again as people follow Jesus in their life, as they place their faith and trust in him, then they take the step to be baptized. And it's a marker. What happens in baptism is you go under the water for just a moment and you come up out of the water. You're connected to the burial of Christ. When he was buried, they placed him in the tomb. You go under the water, you come up, you're connected to his resurrection. And it's just a reminder so that you don't forget forgiveness has been received, right? And then that can empower you to extend forgiveness to others. In the book of Acts, chapter two, Jesus has ascended into heaven and um, Peter has preached the very first message to a community of people that are gathered there. And here's what we read, Acts chapter two, uh, let's look at verse 38. We get to the red word, just help me by reading that out loud. But it says, uh, each of you, well, first of all, let me just set it up. Peter delivers the first message. At the end of the first message that people kind of hear, they're blown away, they're convicted. And they ask the question, like they just shout out to him, what must we do? Like, what do we do about all this? And here's what Peter says. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of uh, Jesus Christ for the what? Forgiveness, there it is, for the forgiveness of your sins. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I don't believe the Bible teaches that baptism is what forgives you. Right, I, you know, I don't think that's what he's saying, but it's a marker for something that's already happened in our lives. And so the Bible says on that day, 3,000 people believed and were baptized. And this huge amount of people became followers of Jesus and took that step in their life. So one of the first challenges when it comes to forgiveness is to just remember God's forgiveness. <laughs> Remember God's forgiveness. My wife Lori put something up on Instagram this past week. I thought it was really funny. I'll share it with you. It cracked me up uh, anyway, and I could, I could relate to it. We'll bring this up uh, on the screen. She says, my ability to remember song lyrics from the 80s far exceeds my ability to remember why I walked into the kitchen. Come on, somebody. Anybody relate to that? I don't know about you, man, but I feel like my whole life I'm walking around like, wait a minute, why am I in this room? Why did I come in here? What am I doing? Right? Like, golly, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. But we forget things all the time. 
I'll never forget once I was walking around um, <laughs> trying to find my, I was right, uh, right off the platform and I was about to come out and speak, but I realized I, I didn't know where my phone is and I'm trying to find my phone and I'm looking around, I'm like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I'm asking everybody, where's my phone? Oh my gosh. And what had happened is I was holding a cup of coffee in my hand, but then I had my fingers sort of looped around my phone and my phone was sort of tucked with the coffee and right there the whole time, right in front of me. But nothing was as bad as the time where I was begging my wife to help me find my glasses, which I was wearing on my face. Any of you relate to this moment? This is where you think like, oh, it's just going to get worse from here. Lori, I'm glad you took those vows. Um, we forget things. And there's this refrain in the Bible, all through the Bible, remember, remember, remember. Why? Because we forget. And baptism is one of the ways we remember. So if you've already been baptized, I want you to think about your baptism and think about what it represents. If you haven't yet been baptized, in just a few moments, my goal is to sort of take away any excuse that you may have in your life that has kept you from being baptized yet and challenge you to get baptized today and to just take that step in your life. So that's kind of where we're headed. But if you're here and you know, you're already baptized, remember that moment and remember what it represents and what it means. You know, I've got uh, the word forgive up here on a prop table, and uh, it's an interesting word, forgive, because there's kind of two parts to this word, and, and I think, you know, when you think about forgive, we, we really love this part. We love, we love for. We love to think about the fact that God has forgiven us for all the things that we've done, right? And he has. In Jesus Christ, you place your faith and trust in him, you are forgiven. You are free in him. Your past, your sins, your mistakes, your anger, your impatience, your lust, your drive, your addictive behavior, your, you know, your lies, your whatever, all of that is forgiven in Jesus Christ when you trust him and follow him in your life. And we love to talk about sort of receiving forgiveness and experiencing forgiveness, and it's a powerful, beautiful thing. But notice the word forgive is a two part word, right? And the other part of the word, well, that's a little more challenging. God, I, I want all the forgiveness you'll bring, but do I really got to forgive them, right? Do I really have to give that forgiveness now to somebody else? Do I really have to share it with people who don't deserve it and maybe aren't even worthy of it and won't understand what I'm doing for them if I forgive them anyway? Like, we like the four, we don't really like to give, but the challenge is to remember that when you really understand how much God has forgiven you, then you realize that no matter how much somebody else has hurt you, they have not insulted you to the level that you've insulted God. And God forgave you. And how much more can you be empowered to forgive them, right? God was good to you. So you can be good to them, even if they don't deserve it. I can't tell you how many times. My, I, I love to tell you that forgiveness is one of these. And I have talked about forgiveness over the years again and again and again and again and again. But I am a work in progress. And sometimes I have to talk to myself about all this stuff, right? And a lot of you know this in your heads. But we got to keep it in our hearts to keep our homes as places where forgiveness keeps getting extended. The reality is, look, people hurt you. People say things. People do things. And it's easy for me to start feeling like in my life, I have a right to be angry, I have a right to be upset, and then I have to stop as a believer in Jesus and remember, look, 
I was a mess. My life was a train wreck. And God rescued me and saved me. I had done some really horrible things that God forgave me for that. He's walked with me. He's blessed me. He's been in my life. God has done so much for me. How dare I hold on to the little bit somebody else owes me? I got to release that so that I can be free. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean trust, right? Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're like, hey, let's act like nothing happened. I can't tell you how many couples I've counseled over the years where there's been infidelity in the, in the relationship. And, uh, you know, after a couple months of really trying to work on things and stuff, the party that committed the infidelity will be like, well, they don't trust me. And they're frustrated because they expect that trust to flow. Like, if you forgive me, you'll trust me. So you don't really forgive me. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can be forgiven, but you're gonna have to earn the trust now, right? You've lost the trust, and that, that may never happen, or it may take years to happen, right? You can be forgiven, but trust is a, look, you can break into my house, and you can steal my TV. Awesome, good for you. And if I find out about it, I'll forgive you, but I will not trust you with a key to my house, right? Those are two different things. You can forgive somebody and have boundaries. You can forgive somebody and have uh, sta standards that you set up. Uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that you act like nothing happened, right? Something may have happened that's very real. But forgiveness is letting go of this perceived need to get even. It's letting go of this perceived need to get even. Because here's what you do with forgiveness from a biblical standpoint is you give that to God and you say, God, you take care of it. Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So it's like, all right, God, I'm going to give you that. That's, that's your problem. And I'm going to free this person. Forgiveness, it doesn't fix the past, but it frees your future so that you can move forward and not be so affected by your past. So you receive forgiveness for, but then you offer it out and you give it. And probably the greatest example of that, as I've thought about it over the years, one of the most powerful examples I've ever read is uh, from the pen of Corey Ten Boom. And Corey Ten Boom um, survived World War II and the concentration camps. She was a Jewish woman. Uh, her and her whole family had actually hid uh, many, many Jews who were trying to escape. And eventually they got caught in trying to do that. And you know, she found herself in a few different prison camps. And then in one, her and her sister, her sister ultimately died in that prison camp. And sort of miraculously, her name just got on a list. Nobody really knows how or why of people that were to be released. And she was actually, one, she was released before the end of the war and uh, went on to give the rest of her life to helping um, people and ministering to them. She's an incredible person of faith and follower of Jesus, even through seeing the most horrific things, watching her sister virtually starve to death. I mean, unbelievable stuff that they lived through. But she talks about forgiveness in such a powerful way and here's what she says about a time after World War II when she's in a church in Munich and she looks up and she sees somebody in the church that was a SS guard at the prison camp where her sister died and where she was held. She says, it was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center of Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. 
the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy, her sister, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, he said, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. She says his hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people that need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. I saw, he said, even as he, uh, um, he said, even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ has died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed the silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder all the way along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but it's on his and when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Listen, if Corey Timboom can extend forgiveness to the SS guard who oversaw the mass execution of Jewish people, which she lived through in her own life, you know, you can forgive people in your family who've lied to you, who've maybe cheated, who've maybe betrayed or left, not because they deserve it, but because when you do it, like her, you will experience, I believe, that God can empower you in that moment supernaturally to let it go and to be free. And forgiveness is just one of those things, we just talk about it, but it's like so many things, until you do it, you don't really understand the experience of what that freedom can feel like. So forgiveness doesn't fix the past, but it does, in many ways, uh, free your future. So one of the most powerful ways you can prepare your heart to forgive is to just remember Jesus' forgiveness of you. Right, when you're frustrated in your marriage, <laughs> just remember Jesus forgave you, I'm gonna let it go. When you walk past and your teenager hasn't cleaned their room, just remember Jesus forgave me, I'm willing to forgive them, right? When, you know, when the dishes are stacking up and he said he was gonna wash the dishes and he always says he's gonna wash the dishes and he never washes the dishes. Jesus forgave me. I can forgive him. I can forgive her. I can let it go. And in doing it, what happens is we stop keeping score. You know, we stop the roll call of being even. Now again, some of you, you may be a doormat and you've just been forgiving, forgiving, and you've just been getting walked over again and again. It's okay to forgive and say, we're gonna have some boundaries. I'm gonna forgive, things are gonna need to look a little bit different here. But I'll, I'll forgive, but, right? There's still consequences for our actions, but remember God's forgiveness. And, uh, and then another principle is to simply mark your forgiveness, to mark your forgiveness. In other words, to take the steps in your own life 
that will help you look back and remember God and his forgiveness of you. And baptism is one of the most important steps that you can take in that regard. In fact, Romans chapter 6 uh, tells us this about uh, baptism. Romans chapter 6 says, uh, this is what happened in baptism. When we were, went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of what? Grace, right? A new life in a new land. See, baptism is a picture of what Christ has done in our life. And we enter into this new world of grace and forgiveness, received from God and passed on to others. I can tell you, it's a beautiful feeling. And many times I've had this moment in my life, you know, ups and downs, forgiving, hurts. Then you, look, no matter where you're at, I can promise you this. If you live, you continue to live, you're going to continue to be hurt. And you're going to have to continue to forgive. And so will I. But I'll tell you, it's powerful when you can sit back in your own life and realize, I don't have any enemies. Right? I commit them to God. I give them to God. Now, they may think I'm their enemy, but they're not my enemy. Right? they got to work that out with God. I'm not going to let that bitterness and that forgiveness. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4? It says, uh, it says that it speaks of anger, and it basically talks about forgiveness and says, listen, forgive so that you don't give the devil a foothold in your heart. That's some pretty powerful language, right? Like, so if a person's climbing, I don't know if you're any, any uh, rock climbers here, you know, but if you're climbing, like, you know, yeah, you want to have a good grip with your hand, but what you really want on the climb of a rock face is you want a foothold, right? You want a strong foothold as well that can help you move up to a higher level. And anger and unforgiveness gives the devil a foothold, a place that he can spring from to launch even further into our lives. And so Paul says, we're not unaware of the devil's tricks, so we're going to forgive so that he doesn't get a foothold in our lives. And so if you've never taken the step of baptism, that's one of the ways that you can mark your forgiveness and remember what God has done for you and what he wants to do in you and through you. So I just want to talk for a minute about baptism. Baptism is this powerful thing. We're baptized because Jesus set the example. He uh, was baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, what you see as you look through the New Testament is uh, the most important thing is not where you're baptized. We see pictures of people being baptized uh, in lakes right there where there's water. Um, we see um, images of people being baptized, and the emphasis is never on who's doing the baptism, right? Like, like who's performing it. It's more about that person and their heart and their relationship with God. So, um, you know, as you, as you look through the New Testament again and again, the first thing people do after they believe is they get baptized, you see that again and again and again. So if you've never taken the step of baptism, I want to talk to you about that. Some of you may be like, well, I've just never been baptized because, you know, I grew up um, in a religious tradition where I was baptized as an infant and really never thought I needed to do it again. I've already, it's already happened. It's already been done. And if you were already baptized as an infant, I would just, I would encourage you this way. What your parents did for you, taking you, having you dedicated, having you baptized as an infant, it was a powerful act of faith on their part. And they did it because they love you and uh, they cherish you. And that was an awesome thing. And I think as you get to a place in your life, if you feel led to take that step of baptism, you should still do it. Not to negate what your parents did, 
but really to fulfill it. They were basically offering you up to God and saying, we hope they grow to love you and serve you and know you. And as you do that on your own spiritual journey, baptism is powerful. And one of the, you know, there's no picture in the Bible, there's no reference of infants being baptized. And I think one of the reasons is baptism is something we're to look back on and celebrate and remember. And you can't do that if you can't remember it, right? You can't do that if you're, you know, that's why we really encourage kids to be seven, eight, nine, ten years old and have a thorough knowledge, even if they're that young and even older, so that they'll remember, so that when they're baptized, it'll be something that not only marks them, but they won't forget. So even if you were sprinkled in a different um, Christian faith tradition growing up as a kid, I want to encourage you to think about being baptized as an adult as a way to mark your own forgiveness in your life. Maybe some of you are here and you're like, well, I'd love to get baptized, but I gotta work some things out of my life first. <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta clean up or I gotta deal with that addiction or you know, I, gotta, I gotta work through this issue over here. Once I get my life cleaned up, right, then I'll get baptized. You know, and I, uh, I think a lot of us kind of wrestle with that tension in our lives. But baptism is one of those things where you come to God, you come as you are, you place your faith and your trust in him. Baptism is where you're saying, I pledge my loyalty to you, God. I believe in you and I trust you. It's not where you're saying your life is perfect, but listen, how do you expect to get better in your life without the help of God? So baptism is a step to say, God, move and work in my life and help me on the journey as I follow you. I love what somebody said years ago. They said, you don't get cleaned up to take a bath, right? Like the whole point is you take a bath. And spiritually, baptism, you don't get cleaned up to be baptized. You come as you are, kind of warts and all, stuff and all, and you'll find that God will meet you right there, but he won't leave you there. Um, so maybe some of you have been baptized already and you wonder like, man, should I be baptized again? You know, like, I don't know, did it work? <laughs> did it stick the first time? And I think we all can relate to that because we're just human beings, you know, on the journey. But as I study the Bible, like it seems pretty clear to me that baptism is not something that we do to be saved. It's just a picture of the fact that Jesus has already saved us. Uh, you know, it's not like you gotta get baptized every time you sin in your life. I've said this before, but can you imagine what that would be like from a church standpoint? You just have baptismals 24 seven out front. People just, there'd be like tour buses coming from the strip right over here. Just drop them off, you know, right? I mean, can you imagine? It's just crazy thinking, but sometimes we translate that thinking into our kind of relationship with God, like, man, I need to get baptized again and again and again in order to be forgiven. And the truth is, like, you could be forgiven and be set free and be baptized and mark that in your life, and you can still go through a lot of ups and downs spiritually, go through seasons where you're doing well, seasons when you're not doing well, seasons when you're faithful, seasons when you're not so faithful, but God's faithfulness and love for you remains and I believe your baptism was effective the first time. And I don't think you need to be baptized again as an adult. Now, if you want to be, nobody's going to tell you that you can't be, right? That's between you and God. And I've certainly known people who were baptized and then, you know, did five or 10 or 20 years uh, running the other way from God and kind of came back to faith and really felt convicted, like, I need to be baptized again. And, you know, if that's going to help you on your spiritual journey, awesome. But I don't want anybody to feel pressured like getting baptized is uh, the answer if you've already been baptized. Um, I know some of you are like, well, 
that sounds good, Judd, and that's awesome, but, you know, the truth is, like, I didn't really come ready to get baptized. My hair's looking good. You know, the idea of, like, getting in the water, getting wet, it's already been a good hair day. Um, you know, I just suggest that baptism is the great equalizer, whether you have a $150 haircut or a $5 cut or mama's buzz cut. I used to get the mama's buzz cut. You know, whatever it is. Um, when we all come out of the water equal, you know, like we're all equal before God and you're around people that have been through this and love you and are going to judge you based on your hair and what that looks like in that moment. And what I want you to think about is this. Jesus went all the way to the cross for us. We can get wet for him. So we've, we've tried to think of everything. Like some of you are here and you're like, well, I need to take that step of baptism, but I, I didn't bring a, a change of clothes or a shirt. We got you covered. We got a shirt, you can change clothes. We got everything that you'll need. Just say, I didn't bring a towel. We've got towels. Say, I didn't bring, you know, like uh, uh, anything to keep like my wallet in or my valuables. We've got little Ziploc baggies and you can just hold on to them. You can get baptized with them if they mean that much to you. You know, whatever it takes, right? Like, like we got all that wired up. We got say, well, I'm, I got my ride, my car, it's awesome. I don't wanna get water in the seats. You know, I know some of you right now, you're just running through every excuse you're reaching, but everyone you can think of. So we got black trash bags or, uh, uh, that are available to you that you can take and put in the seats of your car so your seats don't get wet. And if there's another excuse you come up with, we'll find an answer. And so some of you are like, well, I, I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, I was going to talk for another 10 minutes, but I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up so that some of you can take that step and get baptized. And here's the thing about it. Like, again, forgiveness, it doesn't fix the past, but it freeze your future. And so if you've already been baptized, this is just a powerful reminder that forgiveness is such an important house rule and it comes from the forgiveness that we receive from God. And if you haven't taken that step of baptism, this could be a marker for you in your own life to remember all that God has done, something you'll look back on and celebrate, something that, uh, you know, you'll, uh, you'll hang on to because it's an important thing in our spiritual lives and our spiritual journeys. So this time I wanna throw it over to our location pastors who are gonna talk each of their locations through their next steps.